Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So if I were to ask you, um, when I use the word or use the term sin city, what would you think about? Las Vegas. Has anybody ever been to Sin City? Has anyone ever been to Las Vegas? Did you know that a few years ago, Refuel took, Jordan was on it, a mission trip to Las Vegas, to Sin City. But would it also surprise you that this is a a study um, that that, that was done recently by Wallet Hub? Um, this study identified the most sinful cities in America. And it put all of these, it's kind of hard to see on the screen, it's a little whited out, but all the sinful cities in America are represented by the dots. And the blue is the sinful cities that are kind of sinful, (laughs) according to this study. And the purple are the cities that are the most sinful. And um, I know it's kind of hard to tell. You can't really see the United States here because it's the screen's resolution is a little different than my iPad. But if I were to trace with my little thing here, the United States, is that a pretty good representation of the United States? What do you think? Okay. So if I were to, if I were to trace the United States there, um, Now, I don't know if I'm going to break the equipment by doing this, but do you see these two little dots here? These purple dots. Do you know what dots, what cities they represent? Huntington and Charleston. Um, Did you know, this is according to an article by WOWK Channel 13, Huntington and Charleston, West Virginia are both in the top most sinful cities in the United States according to a study conducted by Wallet Hub. Huntington is considered the laziest city in America, according to the study, and Charleston is ranked 11th. All these studies include things, vices like anger, hatred, excesses, vice, lust, greed, vanity, and laziness. And in many of these categories, Huntington... You know, we always talk about how we're, we seem to be always last in everything, you know, West Virginia. Well, this is something we're first in, but it's not a good thing, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it's in sinfulness. Does that surprise you? Think about, well, yeah, I know it doesn't surprise you. But have you ever noticed when you drive down Fifth Avenue, you know what you see on every corner? A church. And you know what happens when you drive down West P. Ridge Road and East P. Ridge Road and Route 60? What do you see? You see churches. So it's easy for us to think that just because there's a lot of churches in our area that everything is hunky-dory. But we live in one of the sin cities. So I asked, does that surprise you? And you said, no. You don't believe me? Here's the article. I just copied like the top of it. Here's a picture of beautiful Beautiful Huntington. And some of you are like, well, I live in Milton, okay? It's a, where living is a pleasure. Isn't that the, the, the motto? You know, I live in Milton and nothing bad happens in Milton. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, yeah. All, the, all, all, all of our Huntington tentacles have made it even all the way out to Salt Rock. Even out to, yeah, even out to Culloden and um, what's that place up north there? What's the... Um, Dirty Bottom, Green Bottom, uh, up there in the northern part of Cabell County. We live in a... Not Dirty Bottom. Um, anyway... You know there's a big bottom West Virginia? It's a real town. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Here's what I'm saying. Just because there's a church on every corner doesn't mean that in our city, in our area, we're not surrounded by sin. 
We've been in this study called In Christ in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, like you, you just, you don't have one with you, and maybe you don't even have one at home, or maybe you have one at home and it's written in this old Elizabethan English language that you can't understand, we would love to give you a Bible that you can understand and read. So at the end of the night tonight, um, please talk to any of our refuel leaders, and we'll be glad to give you a Bible. But in the book of Ephesians, I'm going to do what I've done the past few weeks just to get your memory jogged. Who wrote the book of Ephesians? Paul. Paul. Oh, some of y'all are on it. Gabe is on it, bro. He's wearing his angel shirt too. I love it. Um, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So God told Paul through Paul's personality to write these specific words. Who is it written to? Church at Ephesus. Yeah, the church at Ephesus. What do we know about Ephesus, the city? There were, there, there were, they worshipped lowercase g gods, false gods. It was a sinful, Gabe, did somebody say immoral? It was a sin city. It was a sinful city. And I want to show you something. That this is not even part of what we're going to be discussing tonight. But I want you to look at verse 1 of chapter 1 and read it. it said, I actually got it right here if you want to read it on the screen. It says, Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are, maybe you want to underline this if you haven't, in Ephesus and are faithful, and then underline this part, in Christ Jesus. Do you see the connection here? They are in Ephesus, in Christ Jesus. Did you know it's possible to be in a sinful city or in a sinful school? Nothing bad ever happens at homecoming, right? Everything's just always like, you know, A plus, right? It's possible to live in a sinful city, sinful school. I'm talking to you homeschoolers too, right? You know, you go to, you go to a school full of sinners too. We all go to a school full of sinners, right? We're all sinners. Um, it's possible to be in Christ in a sinful city. Does that make sense? The saints who are in Christ in Ephesus. In Ephesus, in Christ. We've been going over for the past, this is uh, lesson number seven, message number seven. We're in Ephesians chapter four tonight, so you can flip over to chapter four if that's on another page of your Bible. This begins a new section of Ephesians. In chapters one through three, it talks about what it means to be in Christ. The skinny is it talks about how you can be saved. How you can be saved, you can know you're saved, and you can be, know that you're in Christ. How God can change your life. Chapters one through three. We begin tonight, chapters four through six, that tell you how to live in Christ. Or he was telling them how to live in Christ in Ephesus, and tonight we're gonna learn how we can live in Christ in Huntington. Or in Christ at Huntington High, right Judah? Or in Christ at Midland, in Christ at Barbersville, in Christ at Milton, in Christ at Covenant, in Christ at Grace, in Christ at Chesapeake, in Christ at Fairland, in Christ in your living room in your pajamas if you're homeschooled, right? Um, how you can live in Christ in whatever, Spring Valley, Kaylee, I got you, I got you, sorry about that. In Christ in wherever you are. Tonight, what we're going to look at is it's the practical section. And here's the big truth. Here's the skinny tonight. Here's what we're going to learn. That together, and that's the big word, together we can grow up in Christ in Huntington. In this top sinful city in America. We can grow up in Christ in Huntington. We're talking about growing up. Has your, has your mom or your dad ever said something to the effect of, I wish you'd just grow up? 
Have you ever been told something to the effect of, well, you're in middle school now, so there are certain things you need to do. I had a teacher that I kind of drove crazy in high school, and she'd say, Matt, we know you're not mature, but you will you at least pretend to be mature today? <laughs> That's literally what she said to me. Um, so you know, because you're in the stage where you're growing up, right? How many of y'all have... Uh, you, you are, you're, you're studying or you have achieved your permit yet? How many of y'all, got, how many of y'all passed your permit test on the first try? How many of y'all took a few tries? How many of y'all have, have, have you, you've passed your driver's test? All right. How many of y'all have taken the ACT and you're done? You're not going to take it ever again. Anybody, anybody make it? Yeah, I know the adults, but yeah. Okay, a few of you. How many of y'all, you got, you, you've taken it once, you're going to take it again? And you're going to take it as many times as you're allowed. Okay. So there are certain benchmarks of growing up. What we're going to talk about tonight is what does it mean to grow up, to, be, to become mature in Christ? And here's the big thing is that you can only grow up in Christ. You can only mature spiritually together with others. So if you have your Bible... Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to kind of zoom through, not reading, but we're going to kind of zoom through this, this section here, but let's read it together. I'll try not to stop and comment too much, but I get a little excited sometimes. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, say that word eager, Okay, that was not very, you were not eager to say that. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You see a theme here, right? Uh, One baptism and one God and father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. I like the way he puts that. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captains and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But also that he descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God to mature manhood. Say, ugh. You know, I, I, I wasn't, I was just joking. You didn't have to say it. Okay. To mature man. <laughs> Y'all crack me up. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. That's the growing up, right? We no longer may be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ, from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint by which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So let's pray, and then let's dig in. God, thank you for this uh, section here. Uh, Sometimes it's intimidating. We see all the things that are going on around us. We see um, just very, it's, it's, it's very obvious now, uh, maybe even more so than it was for, for parents, for grandparents, for great-grandparents, that we live in a sinful world and that that world is, is, is here. We live among it. And Lord, as, as we've put our faith in you and we've trusted in you, God, I pray that you'll show us here through your word how we can grow up in you so that even in Huntington or in wherever we live, we can live in you and through your power. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I'm just going to be up front here. 
There is way more in this section of scripture than we could spend five weeks on. So I'm, try, I'm giving you like the, the summarized version that you read online when you didn't read the book and you need to do the book report. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, you're all, you're all, you're all a bunch of liars. Um, so so I'm, I, we're going to sum this up about growing up in Christ in Huntington. And there are five things that if we're going to grow up in Christ in Huntington that we need. And they're all M words. I, I just could, the F words just wouldn't work. They just couldn't make them work together. So maybe next week. But they're all M words. Five things that we need to grow up spiritually. And we see them all here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And the first thing that we need is we need motivation. How many of y'all, you know, you've been on a team that you had a motivating coach. There's nothing better than a motivating coach. Man, when, when we played soccer, we were, we were beaten up on teams. And we had a coach that was, he was not a very technical soccer coach because he used to coach football. So he had us doing like football drills to play soccer. And I mean, we weren't just breaking, breaking ankles. We were breaking legs. We were breaking like, I mean, we, <laughs> we were beating up on people, but he would get us so fired up. Have you, ever, have you ever been ready for a game and you're just so fired up? I mean, you, you, you're ready to just like take a big bite out of your iPad. Like you're ready to just beat up the first person you see. Like, 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 like give me one of those cross lanes players and I just want to, you know, I want to turn them inside out. Like, like, mm. you ever had a coach that can just pump you up? The doctrinal section is over in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 4 starts living for Christ. It's game time. So how does Paul motivate the Ephesians? Look at what he says. Man, these words just make, they make me want to just run out of this building, run around the building, and run back in here. I urge you, he's urging, you see the urgency here? To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He spent three chapters talking about how incredible it is that God planned our salvation from eternity past. And he sent his own son to bear the penalty for our sin, to bleed and to die for us. And that he put his holy, I'm gonna slow down a little bit. He put his Holy Spirit in us. He adopted us as his children. He's given us a mission. We've been called and he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Yeah, we don't have this kind of situation in the United States as much as they do in other countries, especially in the Middle East and especially in Asia. They have what's called honor and shame cultures. Have you ever heard of this before? Honor and shame cultures. So in Asia and in the Middle East, the worst thing you could ever do is to do something that would reflect poorly on your family. They will kick you out or you won't come back to your family or come back to your city if you do something that dishonors your family because the most important thing in their lives is the honor of the people that they hold dear. So when you think about that and then you read this again, it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's getting ready to tell us some serious things, like how to deal with our anger. He's getting ready to talk about sexuality and how to live in a sin-cursed world in that area. He's getting ready to talk about alcohol. He's getting ready to talk about so many of these things that are, you know, call us to live in a way so different than the world lives. And he says this, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's not telling us that we have to do these things to be saved. 
He's not telling us that we have to live this particular way to be saved. He's not telling us to live for our salvation. He's telling us to live for the honor of the one who saved us. That the way that we live, the way that you live in Christ in Huntington will either bring honor or shame to the one that you represent. Maybe you know some Christians who are very public about being Christians. They've got the verses in their bios and they post that one picture from camp or from a mission trip every year and everybody knows they're Christians but everybody also knows what they did on Friday or on Saturday night at homecoming. What does that do to the honor of God in people's eyes? It diminishes them because we are representatives of God and he says he's the He's the coach. He's got everybody gathered around. It's time, it's game time. It's time to start living for God. And he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And if we're gonna live for God and we're gonna grow up in God, we need motivation. And it has to be more than if you, do, if you don't do these things, you're gonna get in trouble. If you do these things, you're gonna, at my school, is if you don't do these things, if you do these things, you're gonna get written up. It has to be more of a motivation than that. It has to be that God saved me. And I want to honor him because he saved me. So I'm going to live the way that he's called me to live so that when people look at me, they say, wow, God did something in his life. So if we're going to grow up spiritually, if we're going to mature spiritually and live for God, we need motivation. The next thing we need, though, is we need membership. Any of y'all play this game before? Operation, yeah, how many of y'all played Operation before? So, so I'm terrible at it. I've got like, you know, you know, I've got like the Michael J. Fox thing going on. Like, like um, I'm having, I have a hard time like keeping my hands still. And like the one that was always the hardest for me was the, the, the rubber band down there in the leg. I could never get that. Um, so, but what you, what you realize is you, everybody is made up of different parts. And what does, uh, what does God tell us here about what it means to be uh, to grow by being a member. Well, it says that there is one what body to which we are called, and it ta- continues to talk about the church as what as the body of Christ. If we're going to mature, if we're going to grow up spiritually, we need to embrace the people that God has put around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Years ago at Refuel, there was one guy, he kind of talked like this, and he came up with this, the acronyms BIX and SIX. Sounds weird, but brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, and then body of Christ was the BOC. So you say, I'm with my BIX and my SIX in the BOC. I don't know. Sounds kind of weird, but it worked for him. So we are all members of the body of Christ. And what we learn through this section, especially in the the, the last part of the section, what we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that each of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. Um, And every part is vitally important. Have you ever uh, stubbed your big toe? What happens when you stub your big toe? Your whole, it's like your whole body becomes a big toe. Right? You can't think of anything else except how your big toe hurts. Each of us has an important part to play in the body of Christ. But the first thing that, yeah, I, I maybe got a little too crazy here, but I, I came up with P words having to do with the body of Christ. The first thing you notice, we're just going to run through these, is that there's a posture to assume if we're going to be members of the body of Christ. What are we called to? What's our posture? Humility and gentleness. I don't think I'm better than you. I put you above myself, gentleness, that means I'm going to be compassionate and kind towards you, even if you're a little, you know, even if you're a little salty because you had a bad day, I'm going to be kind to you with 
Patience, I'm going to give you second chances. Bearing with one another in love. Have you ever met somebody that the only thing you can do with them is just bear with them in love because they annoy the living snot out of you? But you know what we're called to do in the body of Christ, in the church? We're called to have a posture of love and humility and patience and to bear with each other in love. There's also, so that's your, that's first P word, that's your posture. There's another P word, um, it's that we're supposed to protect the peace. There's a peace to protect. It says the bond of what? Peace. And then it talks about unity. Look, it says there's one body, one spirit, you're called to one hope. Um, there's one Lord, there's one faith, one baptism, one God who's over all, in all, and through all. So we are called to be united. You know, what's, um, what's interesting is you know, sometimes I'll be at one of your schools and, you know, some of you actually acknowledge me, some of you don't. But, uh, you know, I, I'll be at some of your schools and I'll be like, you go here and you go here and you go here and you go here. But when you all come to refuel, you act like you don't know each other. Or when you're at school, you act like you don't know each other. We're supposed to be one. We're supposed to be united. We're supposed to be together. It doesn't just talk about being together as far as relationships. It has to do with being together on doctrine. We agree together that Jesus is the Savior of all. So that's, yeah, that's, that's the other P, right? Is that there's, there's posture we assume, there's a peace we protect, but there's also a part to play. This is really cool. And once again, we could spend entire lessons on every single one of these, but we just don't have time. It says, grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Jesus, when he walked the earth, was the ultimate, obviously, minister, the ultimate person who loved others and changed other people's lives. And was, his ministry was incredible. You know that Jesus gave a little part of his ministry to each and every believer. He gave spiritual gifts to every believer. Did you know, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you trusted in Jesus, if you're saved, did you know how you had a spiritual gift? Look to the person next to you and say, you're special. Say it like that. Okay. Uh, you have a spiritual gift. And what we're going to learn is that we're supposed to each use these gifts to build each other up. So if we want to grow up, we need motivation. We need the coach. You know, we need to walk in a way worthy of our calling, but we also need membership. We need to do this together. That's why the big point of this, this message is that together, together we can grow up in Christ and Huntington. So we need membership. Next thing we need is we need mending. So um, how many of y'all have ever broken a bone before? It's the worst, isn't it? How many of y'all have ever had to break a bone that required it to be reset. Has anybody ever had to, a few, okay. So, so meaning it needed some either surgically or they needed to go like, you know, or something like that. Like, uh, uh, I was, I was at a soccer game one time, my friend Steve, and he went in, he went in for a, a pretty good kick. And there's this big burly, like ogre guy that came into, and this ogre guy's, um, cleat hit his shin and you could hear two distinct pops. One was the shin guard breaking the second was his leg breaking. And I'm not, yeah, some of y'all have weak stomachs. It was one of the most gruesome leg injuries I'd ever seen in my life. He had to have surgery. He had to have a surgeon who was very skilled, obviously, very technical, to go in and, and to screw his leg back together so that it could heal properly, so that it could have a function. I don't have time to get, oh, I just don't have time to get into all this tonight. I don't even know how I can summarize it, but let me try This verse, number 11, is just wild. Let me, see, let me see if I can summarize it in maybe a minute, okay? You, don't, you can time if you want, but I don't. He gave 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to do something. He gave these people, these kinds of people, he's gifted in special ways to the churches. The apostles were the ones, I'm just going to draw two eyes here. Ah, I'm a terrible dr- The apostles were eyewitnesses to Jesus. They were the ones, it literally means sent out people, and specifically in the Bible, it usually refers to people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus, who, who, who Jesus sent out to begin new churches, to, to witness to people, uh, to tell people about Jesus, and when those people were saved, they would form them into churches. Then there were the prophets. When the church had just formed, guess what? They didn't have the Bible yet. They had the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament scriptures that taught what Jesus taught. So what did they do? These are people, let me see if I can, I'm going to try to draw a person praying. There's his little hands folded like he's bent, you know, bent down, he's praying. And he is receiving God's word and he's giving God's word to the church. Incredible drawings, right? Incredible. Let's just take a moment. Wow. Okay. So, so you have the apostles who, who, who were eyewitnesses to Jesus and they were sent out to, to win people to Christ and to start churches. You had the prophets who were part of those churches once the apostles moved on and they received the words from God and they taught these, these people in these churches while they were waiting for God's word to be written. But then you have two other gifts. You have people who were evangelists. And you have people who are shepherds and teachers. In the Greek, this is pretty much all one term. It's shepherd-teachers. But the evangelists are what we would maybe say are modern-day missionaries. They're people who go places and share the gospel with people. And then you have pastor teachers. You know what, you know, or, you know in some vers- versions it says shepherd teachers. So you've got, what is a shepherd teacher? Well, here's a shepherd staff. Is that a good shepherd staff? I need JC up here to illustrate these things for me. Shepherd, so so they're, they're, they're shepherds, but they're also teachers. I'm just going to put a Bible. That's probably the best, safest bet. You've got pastors and teachers. Now, we can talk about this later if you want, but what we learn through a good study of God's Word is that these two gifts, apostles and prophets, were foundational to the church, meaning that they, they, they began, they started the church, and then the Bible came. God's completed word came and we no longer have those people functioning as apostles and prophets today because now the evangelists work like the apostles did. They go win people to Christ, start new churches and the shepherds and teachers work like the prophets did. They teach at churches and they shepherd people along. Does that make any sense or did I, maybe I lost half of you. So we're just gonna keep moving on. So what are we, what are, what are, what's the most common of these that, that we run into today? The pastors, right? The shepherds and teachers. Let me change my color here. I, I hope I haven't lost some of you. What is the job then of a pastor, of a pastor teacher? What does it say? It says it right here. Do you see it? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Boom. So their job is to equip. And you know what this word equip means? Here's where it ties into this. It's the same word that was used medically in the Greek to have to do with the setting of a bone or the restoration of health. So you have these shepherds and teachers that by teaching and that by helping guide people through life, they get people to where they're supposed to be in a healthy relationship with God. Why? I hope I haven't lost you. To equip them for what? 
for the work of the ministry. So who's a minister? Oh, Jason, you got it, man. 10 points for Jason. Who's a minister? Every saint, every person. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a minister. You don't need to wear a weird collar. Okay? You don't need a Bible degree. You are a minister. God has called you to something. And that's the next big point is what is the job of pastors? What is the job of evangelists? It's to get people to where they are on a mission. We have a mission. What, what you learn as, as you look through this, it says, what, what does the work of the ministry look like? Well, it looks like building up the body of Christ until we all attain unity of the faith. What's our ministry? What's our mission? Does anybody know what the mission of every Christian is? Boom. Gabe Waller, 10 points. So, so here's, here's the cool thing about God's mission for you. Some of you have to take tests. You have to take ACT to find out what you need to do in life. And then you go on college visits. You talk to your guidance counselor, right? What are some other things you do to figure out what you want to do in life? Maybe you try to find out what you're good at. Take your personality tests. We took this test called the plan test. And it told me that I was supposed to be, I can't even remember what it told me I was supposed to be, but I'm definitely not doing it. Uh, here's the good news. How many of y'all are having to think about that? You're having to think about like what you're going to do with the rest of your life, career. How many you are having to think about that? It's coming for the rest of you. Here's the great thing about God's mission. He's already told you what it is. It's to go make disciples. So here's the thing. That means that whatever our plans are, whether you're looking into college or technical school or a trade, the qu only question you have to ask is how does this college, how does this major, how does this technical school, how does this trade put me in a position where I can go make disciples of all nations? That's God's mission. I put a picture of an aircraft carrier here because I think we're, we're a little confused about what growing up means and what, about what church means. Has anybody ever been on a cruise? So cruises, I've never been on one, but I've heard they're very nice. I've heard you can get those little, the, the little, little drinks with the little umbrellas on them. I heard you can sit out by the pool and I heard there's all kinds of things that you could ever want to do and excursions and lots and lots and lots of food. Did I mention the food? And, and you have pools and hot tubs and just all kinds of incredible things. And people on the ship are there to what you? Serve you. Aircraft carrier's a little different, right? What is an aircraft carrier for? It's for military, but what is the one focus of an aircraft carrier? To get those darn planes out to go on a mission, right? So, is church a cruise ship or is it an aircraft carrier? But how many people go to, uh, go to church and join a body of Christ saying, what do you have for me? What can you offer me? Can you upgrade the ping pong table? It's sagging a little bit. It's getting old like me. Can you put new games on the X? By the way, I'd be happy to do all those things. But what's our focus? We're an aircraft carrier. Our job is to get you on the ship, to get you fueled up, gassed up, ready to go, so you can go on mission and make disciples. We're an aircraft carrier. We are, I'm here, Pastor Lemming, Pastor Tim, Pastor Jeremy, all the, we're here to equip you and ourselves too, so we can get out there because there's a lost and dying world. And they're people that need to be built up in Christ. And maturity means that you understand your mission, the mission that God gave you. That's growing up. Here's the final M word. Oh, we need measurements. 
How many of y'all, when, you, you, when you're growing, maybe your parents still do this, you have like a spot on your wall where you just like, you, you, me, you, you, you get measured and you can see like, oh, you know, little Susie was this tall and now she's this tall and oh, she's going to be such a big girl, you know, something like that. And, and you have one of those walls and there's a way that you measure your growth and your maturity. Sometimes your maturity is measured by when your parents give you the keys to the car. Sometimes your maturity is measured by when your parents actually let you drive the car, even though you've had your license for like three months. Sometimes your maturity maturity is when your parents leave you alone at home for the first time. Uh, There's all these different like measures of, of maturity, right? There are three measures of spiritual maturity that we're given here and all I have time to do is like highlight them and then we gotta pray and, and hit the road. It says, until we all attain, oh man, I've even gone way past my notes here. (laughs) Until we all attain unity of the faith. Unity. Are we growing together? Of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. This word in the Greek, it's anertelios. It means like a full grown man. Like, some guys kind of get what that means. Like, like, like he's a full-grown man. Like, so we say that, you know, when you, when you, you like, when Owen Porter goes and just, 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 just levels someone for the herd, we're like, yeah, he's a full-grown man, right? So what this says is, until we're doing this, we're working together, we're building each other up until we all reach mature manhood or womanhood. I don't want to be sexist here. You know, until we reach maturity. But what's the measure? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the gold standard right here. Christ likeness. But what does that look like? It looks like that we're no longer children. We're not tossed to and fro by the waves. When things happen in life, we're not freaking out. We're not carried about by every wind of doctrine. When some cult leader's like, hey, you want to come to my house and drink Kool-Aid? You're like, heck no. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way to him who is the head into who? Into Christ, from whom the whole body, the body of Christ is held together and makes the body grow. The ultimate test of spiritual maturity, the ultimate measure of spiritual maturity is am I living and loving like Jesus? So, in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. Together, we can grow up in Christ in Huntington. Tonight, we're talking about glowing, growing up. Next week, we're talking about glowing up. So you're gonna come back next week, we're gonna talk about glowing up. So I'm gonna, you, you can write these down if you want. Two application points and they're really simple. The first is a me question. It's a me question. It's a question for you, an individual. Are you living to earn your salvation? Or are you living to honor the one who saved you? What's, the, what's your motivation for living the Christian life? Think about that. Are you living to earn your salvation or to honor the one who saved you? The next is a we question. I want to ask y'all. Third person plural. I want to ask y'all. Are we a cruise ship or an aircraft carrier at Refuel? That's what we're supposed to be. The question is, are we? Are we coming just so that we can get our spiritual itches scratched? Or are we coming so that we can come together and prepare each other to go out on mission for God and come back and get refueled the next week? So that's all I gotta say about that. We're gonna pray and we're gonna put somebody in the middle and we're gonna make like a baby and head out of here. So let's pray. And God, thank you so much for the body of Christ. God, there's no way we could reach 
uh, Christ-likeness on our own. That's why we need each other. Um, but God, I pray that as we've thought about this, this is a lot to take in. There's a lot of details. Um, but God, it really boils down to the fact that if we're gonna live for you in a sinful city, in a sinful world, we, we, we need each other. And so God, I pray that we'll treat this like an aircraft carrier. That when we get here, we will refuel each other and encourage each other and build each other up because we're only as mature as the most immature person here. So God, I pray that, that, that we'll be kind and we'll be compassionate toward each other. We'll help each other grow in you. And that as we do that, we'll see more and more people become like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.